Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host for this episode, Dr. Hector Garcia. During this Black History Month 2024 special edition podcast, we will hear insights from Southern New Hampshire University Senior Vice President and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer Jada Hebra. Ms. Hebra will provide insights into the synthesis of diversity and inclusion in Southern New Hampshire University and how it impacts the university and student success. Thank you for being here, Ms. Hebra, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's really good to be here. It's always good to work with you, Hector, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much. And because it is such a special edition podcast event, we are privileged today to have with us Southern New Hampshire University student Nasilia Chambers, a graduate student in psychology, also the president of the Psychology Club and the student lead in the 2024 Black History Month Minority Student Group Projects. Welcome Nasilia. It is a pleasure having you join us on this very important podcast episode. Thank you for having me today, Dr. Garcia. The pleasure is all mine. Well, thank you so much to both of you. Now, at Southern New Hampshire University, we are dedicated to belongingness for all students, and no matter what background, personal or financial hardships, race, sexual orientation, or disability that anyone faces, they are always welcome here at Southern New Hampshire University. This community embraces differences and celebrates them, from employee resource groups to the student minority group. Together, we have built a diverse and inclusive community where everyone is seen and everyone belongs. As we celebrate Black History Month 2024, our student minority group has embarked on a series of projects honoring the history, culture, and contributions of the African-American community. With that in mind, we are privileged to gather insights into equity, diversity, inclusion, and belongingness from our distinguished guests. So in order to set the stage for this important podcast, Ms. Hebra, can you tell us a little bit about your background so that the podcast listeners are aware of who you are and what you mean to Southern New Hampshire University? Absolutely. Um, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I have so much I could say about myself, but I'm just going to highlight some things that I think are important. I think it's important to, to know that I'm the first Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at SNHU, and I was hired in 2016. So um, it's, it's, it's been a run, and it's been exciting. I think it's also important to say that I identify as a Black American cisgender heterosexual woman. My pronouns are she and her. And I, and I say that because it's not always easy to know um, 
how someone identifies by just looking at them. And I think it's important to sort of signal that um, so that people can not only feel comfortable about saying who they are, but also so that you just understand who who's in the room. Um, I think it's also important to say that I'm the mother of three children um, and I raised them with my husband of 31 years. Um, and he is someone who is my polar opposite in so many ways. And I, <laughs> I like to lift that up because um, that really informs my approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, just being able to be with people who are very unlike you, communicate with them, learn from them. I think it's really important for us to be around people who are not like us and not sit in echo chambers. And I've done that in my 31-year marriage, and so that really helps uh, my work. Um, also, I was trained as a journalist, as a humanities teacher, a restorative practitioner, a conflict mediator, and an industrial organizational psychologist. I spent most of my career as an educator, 25 years in private boarding school, and six years in um, open access higher education, SMHU. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, that is some very interesting background. I learned a few things today that even I didn't know. So with that, let me turn it over to our guest interviewer, our special student, Nasilia Chambers, the floor is yours to begin asking Ms. Hebra a few questions. Thank you so much, Dr. Garcia. So Ms. Hebra, thank you for being with us today. My first question to you will be, what is or was your biggest motivation or your inspiration for simply undertaking the role as Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at SNHU back in 2016? Yeah, thank you, Nasilia. Great question. Um, my answer is two parts, you know, for, in terms of inspiration. Number one, my biggest inspiration for getting into education, getting into diversity, equity, inclusion in education is my dad. Um, my father is 92 years old. He was born and raised in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He lived under the Jim Crow South in Birmingham, Alabama in extremely racially segregated conditions. Um, he wanted to go to University of Alabama and thought that he might uh, be able to go because you know the army was integrating, so he thought maybe colleges were too. And he went into UAB, University of Alabama, with his application was literally laughed out of the lobby. Um, he went on to go to an HBCU and join the Army and has had a great life, but he still remembers that moment of being completely excluded just because of his race. So he's definitely um, a big inspiration. And my second inspiration really is comes from um, my work in private boarding education. Like I mentioned earlier, I was serving a completely different type of learner, um, elite boarding school, very exclusive, a place that prided itself on who it didn't accept really prided itself on how low its admit rate could be. Um, and I spent so many years at that school supporting and being a champion for the black and brown and financial aid students who really were like immigrants to a new land. I mean, it was a new language, new dress, new customs. <laughs> um, and we lived on campus. And so we welcomed them. My family and I welcomed these, these students into our own home because they really needed a place to, a refuge and a place where they could feel not judged and supported. And so um, I came to realize, though, that I needed to have a bigger impact and needed to go to a very different type of institution. So I sought out a different opportunity and the SNHU uh, job 
came past my my desk. I did not think I was going to get the job because I did not come from higher education. Um, but uh, because of my experiences at a very different type of organization, they gave me the job and I'm glad that they did. So my inspiration is my dad and just kind of social justice. Thank you so much for that. I can definitely understand how inspirational that would be for leading you to this path. Thank you for that, Ms. Hebra. Back to you, Dr. Garcia. Thank you. Let me ask you another question related to these themes. How do you integrate diversity into daily decision-making that promotes equality in your job position? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, 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 like I mentioned earlier, I think it's really important to pull in people who are not like me. Whenever I'm making a decision, whenever I'm creating a program or thinking about a policy or anything, pulling in people who, who really might disagree with me or have a completely different perspective or worldview on something. Um, I think that makes my decisions better, um, much more well-rounded. Diverse points of view always yield a better outcome for everyone. And lately, for me, it's been a lot of younger people. I, I think tapping into what younger people think, and, and I'm not going to tell you my age, but <laughs> when I say younger, um, there are a lot of people in that category these days. Um, but certainly, I, I just feel like their perspective on the world of work, on equity and fairness, on what they need and want, uh, certainly from their, their leadership is really important to tap into their point of view. Also tapping into people outside of New England. I was pretty much raised in New England, um, but geographically, specifically in the United States, very different uh, worldviews and points of view, depending on different regions of the country that you go. And so thinking I was just out in Arizona. So um, pulling in perspectives from the Southwest, from the West, from the Northwest, from the South, um, really, I always just come away smarter and um, having a better input and insight into the, the best kind of outcome or decision that I need to make. Very interesting. And uh, that perspective that one, once we leave our home regions, our areas, and we start to encounter similar issues and, and similar opportunities elsewhere. It's pretty much a universal theme, I believe. So that leads me to my third question, which is how does diversity and inclusion impact the university success? What a great question. I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> I think it's this is such an important concept. Um, you know, when an organization reflects society, we signal welcome, that we are welcoming, and we improve our brand and we make better decisions. And, and that translates into innovation and creativity. But more importantly, I think it translates into a growth mindset or ha people having a beginner's mind, uh, you know, that learning culture. And at the end of the day, that's good for business. Um, when you are always open to a different point of view and innovation and create creativity with different perspectives, you're gonna have a better outcome. Um, it's, and it's good for business. It's good for ideas and, you know, signaling welcome and belonging, but it's also good for the bottom line. Um, people don't like to sit, talk about that because it seems crass to talk about like how DEI can actually, um, you know, you know, 
save us money or or bring in more more dollars but it's true the business world knows this and they're moving ahead as it always does to leverage and capitalize on it there's been lots of research um mckinsey deloitte and others have shown that diverse businesses outperform less diverse businesses by 35 percent um, and that cognitive friction like when you have a different point of view in the room or being with people who disagree with you it actually enhances your problem solving skills and your innovation so it's good for business in so many ways. Um, it is, the, I think, the right thing to do, but it's also really good for the bottom line and organizational success. Well, those are very interesting statistics and data about the challenge. And again, this is something that I see as challenging not only inclusion and diversity, but groupthink. If everyone thinks the same way, everyone says the same thing, you have a bunch of mimics in a room, then there's no challenging the status quo, there's no creativity, there's no uh, new developments, people dreaming up new programs, and everything that we do here, everything that we do is to benefit our students. And so we wanna make sure that we're always open to that. So I'm very glad to hear that that's the approach that is being used and that is producing worthwhile results. So now let's go back to our special guest interviewer, Nasilia, and I think she has some questions for you about Black History Month, which is what we're celebrating here. So Nasilia, take it off. Thank you again, Dr. Garcia. So Ms. Hebra, in the spirit of Black History Month, <laughs> I have two questions for you, all right? What does Black History Month really means to you? Well, I think uh, Black History Month to me is the best party of the year. It's a time when Black people celebrate one another, where we remember our history, and, and importantly, where we conjure up you know, the fierce advocacy of our ancestors and the people whose shoulders we're standing on to continue fighting for the right thing. Um, I have to admit that I have had mixed feelings about Black History Month or recognition months in general, because I, I you know, there's a part of me that feels like it segregates this kind of affirmation to just one month a year. Um, but I've come to embrace it and knowing that we are nowhere near the place where all voices and experiences are going to be integrated, heard and understood by the mainstream throughout the year. Um, that's aspirational. It would be great if we could talk about Black history all year long and celebrate it all year long. Um, one day we'll get there, but right now it's February and that's 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 good enough for me. So I, I just think it's a, a really beautiful month and a moment for us to just kind of rejoice in, in our history and in all that we've accomplished. Thank you so much for that. You know, it's always good to remember where we're coming from, whether it's black history Whatever it is we're celebrating, you know, those special times, it's always good to remember. My second question to you is, is there anyone or anything that you'd like to highlight as your biggest motivation and why? Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to be repetitive, but I, I really do. In terms of a person, it's my dad, <laughs> I, you know. He's still to this day, um, he tells stories about growing up. Um, and but he also is probably the most 
hopeful, optimistic, kind, friendly, you know, wonderful human being. And for someone to have lived the way he lived and to experience the things that he has experienced and to still be able to be so optimistic and hopeful is really um, a big motivation for me and it keeps me going. But I also think the thing that that is my biggest motivation is just fairness. Um, it's just not fair to me by any measure that the legacy of systemic racism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, any of the isms are alive and well and continue to hold so many promising people back. Um, and the fact that there are people who don't believe that these isms exist and instead prefer to see people as less than or to see people as disposable is really unfair. And I think third graders understand fairness often better than adults do. And it's like, you go back to our third grade selves and be like, this isn't fair. Um, maybe we'd make more progress. But I guess for me, my biggest motivation is for people to be seen as fully human and worthy of respect. So that's what that's what keeps me going. Those are the two things that keep me going. Third grade, you know, playground school fairness and my dad. Thank you so much. So you're saying in relation to Black History Month, your motivation is your dad and um, just encouraging fairness, putting that out there in the world, social justice to cover it all, right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Now, it's really nice having you here, you know, just talking with you about diversity, equity, and inclusion and tying it all in with the Black History Month that we're celebrating. Now, as the Chief Diversity Officer, Diversity and Inclusion Officer here at Southern New Hampshire University, what inspirational message would you like to leave with everyone today? Yeah, I would say, you know, I want to acknowledge that it's not easy to be inspired during these times. You know, there's anti-DEI legislation. There's a very aggressive anti-DEI movement. Um, it's framed as a movement to save the nation. It's strong and getting stronger. But, you know, I'm inspired because diversity is not a choice or something that can be erased with a law. It's a fact. It's who we are. It's who we've always been, and it's not going anywhere. So if anything, our nation's diversity grows and becomes more deeply enriched, and it will continue to do so because that's what diversity does. Um, and that's what diversity has done throughout history, even in the most inhospitable climate. So, you know, I think diverse ecosystems adapt and survive because they're more re resilient than homogenous ones. So um, all the travel bans, immigration reform, civil rights violations, anti-DEI bills, this it's not going to stop diversity or its power. And I'm encouraged by that because I, I feel so strongly that it's true. And there's a Dominican writer, Juno Diaz, who says something in this quote um, really inspires me and I hope it inspires others, but he writes, we've seen this before. It might be a bit terrifying, might be a bit unusual, might be a bit new, but onward we go. We have broken every chain this society has tried to throw around our necks. They don't stop trying, we will break them again. So that's my inspiration, and I hope that that inspires others as well. 
Thank you for that message, Miss Miss Hebra. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Just boosting upward and onward mobility. Thank you so much, Miss Hebra. Thank you for that. Now back to Dr. Well, Garcia. You. Well, thank you. Again, a very enlightening responses that we've had here today. Things that we were not aware of, many of us, that are going on. And so I'm glad that that quote really inspires us to move forward and to continue to embrace this diversity that we have all around us. And as you said, Ms. Hebra, when your inspiration, you've said it twice, was your father and what he had to go through back in those years of segregation and simply being excluded for you know, race, color, creed. Um, these are things that the younger generation may not be aware of, and it wasn't that long ago. And this is very important for them to remember. And also, people in organizations, 30 plus percent improvement in performance of organizations that embrace diversity and get out of that group thing where everyone is thinking the same thing. So these are all important parts. But I think the, the biggest component that you said was that even though Black History Month is your favorite time of the year, this should be spread out throughout the whole year. We should always be celebrating all the diversity that we have within our communities, within our work groups, our classrooms. Um, and it's, it's challenging sometimes in an online classroom, but it just takes a little bit of getting out of your shell and joining clubs such as the psychology club that Nasilia heads up where she presents all these wonderful opportunities for everyone to come together. So as a student, if you're listening, please join in. We have many clubs here. I'm the advisor for the psychology club. I'm the advisor for the law and order club. I'm the advisor for the student minority group. Get involved. You, you come here and you learn and you work with us and you grow with us. And that's what it's all about. So with that, I want to thank you so much for joining us here today, taking time out of your busy schedules. And I say schedules because even though Nasilia didn't say it, she is also a parent. She works full time and she has all these responsibilities with her graduate degree work. And she's here with us today sharing. So, and, and of course, Ms. Hebra, you have a very important position on the cabinet here at Southern New Hampshire University to take the time to come to speak with us today. We really appreciate it. So with that, I'm gonna ask Nasilia, do you have any words of wisdom to help us close out this segment? As a believer in social justice myself, Dr. Hebra, I share the same sentiments with you. You know, everyone is equal. We're all equal, regardless, regardless of our race, color, or beliefs, you know, just culture. Diversity is here and it's not going anywhere, right? Changes, it's inevitable. So we either adapt or we get left behind, right? That's my firm belief. So I just appreciate your time for you just being here with us to share, give us some insights as to how you undertake the role or how you just put yourself out there to manage this position. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. Thank you. And Ms. Hebra, one 
one piece of advice, one parting nugget of knowledge for our students in regards to diversity, what would you say to them? Ooh, I would say, um, hold your head up high. Do not be discouraged. Do not be turned around. You are standing on some mighty shoulders. Make them proud. Make us proud. You can do it. We've got you. We've got your back. And we stick together and we will find justice and fairness and equality. I know it. I know for sure. So keep the faith. Thank you so much, both of you. This has been wonderful. We really appreciate it. All the words of wisdom, all the background information, the backstory, as they say. I'm sure this will resonate well with our students and all others who are listening. So this is Dr. Hector Garcia. I have been your host for this episode of Agents of Change. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.